We interrupt this podcast with a wanted ad. Wanted. Whoever broke the Star's Hollow Bells. Dear Stan's dying wish was to have the Star's Hollow Bells ring again. He donated his savings so that the bells could be repaired and blessed the citizens of the town with their dings and dongs. Less than a week passed when the bells mysteriously stopped ringing. Who did this? Was it a mother whose baby couldn't stop crying during the bells? Was it a dance teacher who couldn't keep her dancers on time when the bell rang? Or was it a man with a suspiciously large toolbox who has hated the bells since the beginning? We want any information you might have about who broke the bells. Email talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com with any tips. We really want to find whoever's responsible because we want to thank them on behalf of the whole town. Seriously, thank God those bells have stopped ringing. We can finally podcast again without them interrupting us. There is such a pain to edit out. Again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts to whoever stopped those damn bells. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 11, In the Clamor and the Clangor. The Clamor and the Clangor. Yeah. (laughs) The Netflix bio for this episode is, Lorelai is upset that Luke has gotten an apartment in another town. Rory learns that a guy she likes has been spreading false information about her. Those are not the two things I would have marked as most important from this episode (laughs) i also feel like the tense of rory likes a guy is misleading because she like i don't think she actively likes him Mm -hmm. anymore yeah she just thought he was nice and cute that one time yeah More on that in a bit. (laughs) Well, before we get into that, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. Email us your thoughts at TalkingFastPodcast at gmail.com. And you can listen ad-free on Patreon. Just search for Talking Fast Podcast. And so what were your thoughts on this episode? (laughs) I thought... It was another, like, really good episode. I don't know. Like, I did not recall that the bells, the bells bit was in this episode. I think I got the hint from the title, and I remember that. I enjoy it. I also have been remembering that the guy that Rory asked out was going to come back, Mm -hmm. and he is back in this episode, and as annoying as I remember, (laughs) um... The Lane and Mrs. Kim stuff was just fantastic, and I, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. How about you? Um, I think I agree. It was a good episode <laughs> to me, but it wasn't like a super standout episode, but mm-hmm. I had fun. There's a lot to talk about. Um, it seemed like extremely poignant with the... Israel and Palestine debate that was going on with what's happening in the world right now. So I thought that was an interesting kind of coincidence that we're recording this at this time. Yeah, we will talk about that a bit when it comes up. Yeah, Um, yeah, I I like the bell stuff. I had forgotten that the lane leaving happened so early in season four. But I'm excited to see where she goes next. I agree. 
an interesting yeah, episode. plenty to look forward to but before we get all of, before we get to all of that we'll do our talking fast segment and i believe you suzanne are going first this week oh dear okay <laughs> ready yes i'm prepared okay on your mark get set go so we start with stan being dead and his last dying wish was to fix the town bells so that's going to be a thing this episode um the band also gets a gig at cbgb's which is very exciting and lane has to come up with a way to get out of her house for that um also paris is uh still dating asher fleming and rory's still avoiding talking about it and they go to a debate thing and have a debate and then uh the oh god uh i can't remember <laughs> uh, i got the first 30 30 minutes 20 minutes down mm-hmm. yeah uh, i have to admit i accidentally had watched this episode last week before recording so it has been a little while since i watched it yeah. in detail We'll see how it goes for Well, me. I watched it just a couple of hours ago, so <laughs> nice. between the two of us, we'll have different perspectives, yeah. maybe. <laughs> okay, are you ready to go? Mm-hmm. Okay, ready, set, go. The bells are restored in Stars Hollow, and everyone likes them at first, but then they get tired of them, and Lorelai and Luke decide to break them, so they stop working. And Lorelai approached Luke to do that because they'd been in a fight, because he didn't tell her he got a new apartment three weeks ago. Um, so they're fighting. Meanwhile, Rory is also fighting with the guy she had asked out because she thinks he's spreading rumors about her, but it actually wasn't about her at all. And Lane fights with her mom. Um, so a lot of conflict. And then Lane moves out. Ooh, okay. That was pretty good. It was actually yeah, I think you got- a lot that happens. It was yeah. tricky. Or maybe just like several storylines in a way. Yeah, because with the Lane and the band stuff, usually we just have like a Rory and a Lorelai storyline. So that was adding on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so should we yes. start start out from the beginning, which opens on a funeral? <laughs> yes. And Stan has died, who is a townie that we have never met, I don't think. I don't think so either. I wanted to ask you, like, did I forget about Stan? But I think that is the joke. Like, we never knew him. But Rory is, like, crying profusely. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) She's doing her, like, terrible crying. Like, there's no... Alexis Bledel never cries convincingly. It always just seems fake (laughs) and, like, comical. So I don't know whether she was really trying or what, but... Uh. At least this is like meant to be fake and comical, mm-hmm. you know, but at other times, maybe less appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. They start talking with uh, um, Suki about how people die in threes. And I'm pretty sure at Fran's funeral, Miss Patty brought up that everybody dies in fives. Am I remembering that wrong? Yeah. So this is when Lorelai brings up that everyone dies in fives here. Okay, so Miss Patty at Fran's funeral said threes. But anyways, it was, it was an interesting kind of repetition. Um, yeah. But then they start <laughs> predicting who's going to be the next to go. Uh, and it gets pretty funny. They Rory thinks that they're wishing death on this person or like dooming him to die. Um, uh, I think it's Hank who has been doomed by them and then on the way out he like (laughs) falls to the ground for something and yeah it was a comical scene 
an interesting scene. It was. And they talk about like, oh, it could be anyone. And they list a bunch of people. And when Suki says Kirk, he like falls yeah. over and these flowers fall on top of him. And they're like, oh, my God, we're witches. Like, <laughs> we can't we have to be careful what we say, uh, which was a funny like funeral bit. Mm-hmm. But I did wish that like by the end of the episode, a fifth person had died to like bring it all home. We never really hear about that again. So it's kind of one of those cold open jokes. Mm-hmm. I also couldn't help but think that we are like last episode, the new semester was beginning. So this is like January, maybe February at this point. And they're talking about how four people have already died that year and how yeah, they're waiting for the fifth person. And I thought, hmm, you know, are you... What kind of year? Are you thinking about the academic year? Because yeah. if so, that's more plausible. But have four people already died that month? Like, Even like the fiscal year? I thought year. that was a slight oversight. Yeah. 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 Good point. <laughs> we also in this scene get that Stan's dying wish was to have the bells repaired. And so that is going to be happening. An interesting dying wish. Um, for those of you who didn't pick up on this thing that I never mentioned... <laughs> We have uh, little sound effects for our different nominations and for our gazebo moments. I do like little bells. I had really wanted to get the bells that sounded just like these ones from this episode, but I couldn't find any. So now you know why the gazebo moment is bells because it's something you would potentially hear for this one weekend or week in Stars Hollow (laughs) sitting at the gazebo. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So are you pro bells? I personally like hearing bells, but I also think like they need to be proportional to the area. And I feel like these ones were a little bit too much for the area. Mm -hmm. They were more like city bells, you know. I agree. Okay. From here, we move to a band practice probably a couple days later and Hep Alien is wait they're not help alien yet actually yeah, i don't they? think so well the band <laughs> is performing practicing i should say and zach is worried that they are too on the beat that they're sounding too perfect and he doesn't want to sound like a like a sellout or a prog rock kind of band you know he wants to be rock and roll doesn't want to be in sync and this sets off a fun little conversation i feel like only music-minded people could have where they start to discuss their, like, guilty pleasures and they throw out a few. I noticed that Lane says um, her guilty pleasure was Fleetwood Mac and I was just like, how is that a guilty pleasure? That seems (laughs) not right because I'm pretty sure Lane would really appreciate Fleetwood Mac. They're, like, a huge Mm -hmm. in the rock history. Like, they made an impact, you know. I don't think they would be a guilty pleasure for her. <laughs> in sync, I can see, but <laughs> yeah, in sync is totally like the boy band, the pop music trope of like I could see why their band would look down on them. So yeah, I was like respect Fleetwood Mac. They're one of my yeah, favorite bands. Seriously. The album Rumors. I might have learned about it from Glee, but I've become a true fan <laughs> since then. <laughs> that was like one of the few tapes that we had in my in the family car when I was growing up so we'd go on road trips and play that and like Peter Paul and Mary or whatever other weird (laughs) 
weird random tape my parents had in the car didn't you have dark side of the moon that was when you were learning to drive yeah that was a little bit later when we had cd players Mm -hmm. in the car but oh cd was my mistake (laughs) when i was a little kid we still just had tape players (laughs) Mm, nice back in the day (laughs) (laughs) the rest of this scene is about how Lane, first of all, wants Zach to be a bit nicer to Gil. There's some tension there still. This is the first time we're seeing the band after Lane accepted Gil. So we are to know that there's been some conflict over this decision. But they are all excited when, secondly, Gil comes back in after a phone call and he has received word that he got them a gig at CBGB's in New York. And they are all very excited by this. That's a... Do you know CBGBs? I like know legendarily of CBGBs because they were they're like a a like famous venue that some of the like good rock bands kind of not necessarily had their starts at, but had like uh, well known shows at or did have their starts at. So it's it's mm-hmm. like one of those kind of legendary venues. Nice, so, yeah, huge deal, huge deal. And it, like, shows Gil's pull, I think. Definitely. Definitely. And, like, kind of shows how unfair Zach's mm-hmm. treatment of him is when he's doing stuff like this for the band, I suppose. But I also noticed that this might have been, it might have happened before this episode, but I realized they've, like, redecorated this garage slash shed. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bunch of tapestries on the wall I that I don't remember being there. Kind of like a band practice space. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. I don't know, but I liked it. Yeah. I did notice Brian's sweater, which is my Lorelai's closet. And it was the nice. only piece of clothing I noticed in this whole episode. But it was like a cool sweater. The top was like a kind of a diamondish pattern and then a brown bottom. It was an interesting pattern. I don't think I've seen. It was like solid on the bottom and then large diamonds on the top I don't think I've seen something like that but it still looked kind of like an old man sweater like Brian's clothes Mm -hmm. usually do uh so yeah (laughs) I liked it I would wear it (laughs) maybe not those colors Mm -hmm. but the pattern yeah I actually noticed the fashion in the first scene I didn't nominate it but I thought they were all looking very funeral chic Mm -hmm. like Lorelai and Rory both had kind of beret looking hats on (laughs) I was like wow they really brought it for Stan's funeral (laughs) Interesting, random, anonymous, nearly anonymous townie. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Our next scene is later that weekend or whatever in Stars Hollow Town Square. Rory and Lorelai are walking around and it's all snowy. They're talking about how it's not the first, they didn't get to appreciate the first snow of the year together. This is the fifth, I believe. Um, Or the fourth. The fourth. (laughs) Which I think is interesting i would expect like the first snow of the year in connecticut to be like early november maybe or so yeah so i thought for this to have only been the fourth snow yeah when it's january slash january slash february from what i can put together was another kind of timeline mm-hmm. snafu I don't know if I need to make a big deal of it, but I was like, come on. Like, that was like two slip-ups in almost back-to-back scenes. Yeah. But with that said, I did still give this my Stars Hollow moment because I'm not only a hater, I'm also a lover. (laughs) I'm not a hater. I'm really not. But 
I really enjoyed this because the bells start to go off and it's very like practically like a musical mm-hmm. you know like everyone pops out of the buildings and they look ar- they like look around and appreciate the sound of the bells and they're all smiling and there's also some of the la 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 music that kicks in in the background as well and the camera kind of like zooms out a lot so we're able to see a lot of the town square at once and everyone like claps when the bells are done and it's like if you end the episode here, it's like lovely, lovely story about the bells and the rest is history. But we will soon see the sentiment from the town about the bells change. But for here, it seems like a picture perfect Stars Hollow moment. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if this could have been fixed by instead of having the bells do a whole chime every single hour, if they just did like six o'clock in the evening as a full chime and everything else just did the rings to tell the time. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Interest, <laughs> uh, interesting choices. They didn't really try to troubleshoot, you know? Yeah. It was more so like, let's end this. Yeah. <laughs> um, after, well, during the scene, Rory goes to Lane's house to visit her. And I have my Rory's bookshelf in the group of people who Lane is meeting with is Rami Malik. I... I think oh, yeah. I'm saying his name correctly. He was like, he's obviously he was a nobody at this point, but now he's like a big name. He did, mm-hmm. he played um, Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, which I think is one of the best musical uh, artist biopics I've ever seen. It's such a good movie. Um, and he's been in a whole bunch of other stuff. He's just like kind of a a weird actor but like really good he always kind of plays a little bit weird characters i think part of it's because of his looks um but he's also got mannerisms that fit that so i thought it was cool to see him in his little uh extra days <laughs> i will need to go back and rewatch that scene because i knew that he was in gilmore girls but i honestly it must have been like a blink and mm-hmm. you miss it thing it because i think At that point, when I was watching the scene, I think I was more focused on the fact that, like, it felt like Lane had just come from band practice. And I was like, how did she change so fast? But then I'm like, oh, it must be a different day. Um, But then I was also thinking about, oh, we're supposed to believe these are her, like, fellow students at this, like, college that occasionally comes up. And so (laughs) I think I was too busy judging and I didn't notice Rami Malik there. Um, So, uh but yeah, you know, what I did pick up on her and her friends or co-students are talking about like this interview they have to do for a group project. All of the other students want to interview this pastor Cho, who's like their main pastor. And there's also an assistant pastor. And Lena's like, can we maybe send a letter to Bill Clinton? Like, can we get someone else to interview? And I respect her gumption but i would say maybe think a little yeah. smaller if a you really want to push the boundary <laughs> yeah um and so you know a bit of satire of her college and its religious nature mm-hmm. which is interrupted by rory arriving with this book that she's been carrying around in the prior scene it seems to be something about martyrs i couldn't quite read the whole title But it doesn't really matter because it is just a a cover for a CD on the inside. Her and Lane swap this and she almost leaves again with the same exact book, (laughs) which I was about to call out. But then Lane smartly catches it and gives her a new outside cover, something about 
Jane, One Woman's Journey to Christ or something like that. Um, I did not give that my Rory's bookshelf, but maybe it's a good read. Who am I to say? (laughs) Um, At one point, I noticed they made a side comment about Rory ruining the music industry because she had like burned a copy of a Mm -hmm. CD for Lorelai. I definitely burned many CDs in my day. Uh, but also then Rory responds that Britney's got to shoulder some of the blame for that, like ruining the music industry. Oh, and I was like, does Britney she mean like Spears? Britney Spears ruining it? Like what? That's interesting. Was it just like <laughs> context? A mean I don't comment? know. Yeah. Yeah. That just reminded like, me. Oh, so, go ahead. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I just was like, is this like a shading of like pop yeah. music again? Like in sync just a second ago? Must hmm. be. This just reminded me at some point Roy does like she's searching for a story to do and she goes to attempt to interview some guy who's like doing LimeWire type stuff like downloading music offline. Uh-huh. That's just an interesting how things have cha- like changed just during her college years from burning CDs to then LimeWire. Yeah. That is a good point. I think that is right around when she does the story on the life and death brigade. Yeah, I think so. Because she kind of switches from it because I think she hits a dead end with that story. next season. That's the Logan era. We're getting there. (laughs) Getting closer every day. Anyway. (laughs) We also in this scene get uh, Lane attempting to figure out how to get out of the house for the gig. So far, her only plan is to say, Mama, may I run something past you? And that's as far as she's gotten. So we, we've we seen Lane figure out little, like, super strategic ways around Mrs. Kim before. But this is one where she doesn't have a full plan. So that's not yeah. promising. Yeah. I think she phrased it something like, you know, I've come up with an 11 a.m. alibi, mm-hmm. like a 3 p.m. alibi, but never a 1 a.m. alibi. And yeah. I think that is a very good point. Yeah. And she doesn't really she can't really say oh I'm staying over at Rory's house any longer because apparently Mrs. Kim doesn't approve of Rory's dorm (laughs) which is co-ed and she's praying for Rory Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's interesting that she couldn't just sneak out in the middle of the night yeah I did that a few times in high school I feel like she could pull it off but you never know well she doesn't it seems yeah later on (laughs) um but more on that in a minute Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our next scene is at Yale, where Paris is dragging Rory to this kind of debate club type thing, trying to get Rory to do more things, more extracurriculars, it seems. And during this, Paris continually hints about a certain gentleman who told her about this debate club. So she's still, she's really trying to get Rory to ask her about (laughs) Asher. Sorry. For our listeners, I have a new kitten, and I just got attacked. Uh, he's very cute. I'll post a picture of him. But he is a menace Yay. to society. <laughs> just like Asher Fleming. Yeah. Except your cat's way better. <laughs> he's much cuter. Uh, but yeah, anyways, so Paris is still trying to get Roy to ask her about it. Roy is still avoiding the, the topic uh, and does not want to confront the idea that <laughs> Paris is dating her professor very awkward (laughs) yeah and beyond the the certain fellow part of it I thought it just felt like a a Chilton thing all Mm -hmm. over again Paris was like your wayfish looks you know won't be charming forever you need to 
you know, join some clubs, get it on your resume. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when does it ever end? Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When does it end? It never does. Um, Yeah, Yeah. sadly. But the the final thing of this scene, Rory walks into this like international relations debate club, club and she sees the guy that she asked out prior in the laundry room. And he will be a central figure mm-hmm. in this episode to come. Yeah. Uh, before before that, we return to Stars Hollow. And it seems to be the same day. Kirk, or another day, Kirk is obsessed with the bells. As you might expect, we're at Luke's and he's asking Luke for the time. Luke says, I told you two minutes ago, something like that. And you'll know the time when the bells go off. Um he Kirk tells a story about how he stood too close to the bells and now has tinnitus I believe and he can't tell the difference between the Kirk bells and the church bells he looked up people who have the same condition one of them was William Shatner Lorelai makes a joke about Captain Kirk and Kirk and Kirk says the irony wasn't lost on him it's just a delightful little um bit of dialogue there which is then followed by less fun, more serious dialogue between Luke and Lorelai. And we learn that Luke got an apartment with Nicole three weeks ago in another town, Litchfield, in another county even, not even the same county. And Lorelai is incredibly surprised by this. Luke says, we don't tell each other everything, um, even though they kind of Mm do. (laughs) And Lorelai ends the scene by saying we must not be friends like I thought we were and she kind of just storms out a bit how did you feel about this whole Luke withholding this information from Lorelai and her reaction I don't know my first instinct was to be like well he doesn't owe you his personal life but at the same time they are close friends and I would expect my friend to tell me stuff like this so I think that Lorelai is justified in her annoyance I think she kind of like over not overreacts but like overcorrects by saying that well then we're not friends at all I think that's not true <laughs> um, but I do <laughs> think she is justified in being like why are you keeping this from me because it seems at this point it would be I think it'd be intentional for Luke to not have told her what did yeah. you think about it? I felt similar, similarly, I can't <laughs> say that. I felt the same. Like, I just to like take it to the level of friendship and like my own friends. And I can't imagine not telling someone I moved or especially if it's someone I see like every day, like it would come up, right? If it was someone I didn't see and I saw them like a month later, then I'd probably tell them. And it's not like I was withholding it from you for a month, but like I just didn't see you. But they like see each other daily and they do have a very intertwined relationship. I guess Luke can be withholding about his personal life, but like Lorelai tells him so much and I, it does feel like withholding. And I guess we'll see more later on about probably why he's not telling Lorelai in particular and why it's not as simple as he moved because it's like did he even move at all but like I thought Lorelai's reaction was warranted and yes it was dramatic in her fashion as she's wont to do but like um 
I was I was definitely on her her side mm-hmm. with this. I thought it was like I wonder if him moving coincided with him also hiring help. Like thinking that maybe he wouldn't mm. if he was actually moving, he wouldn't be able to be at the diner so often or for like the early morning stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I personally am not entirely sure that they thought of this storyline <laughs> 3 episodes ago. <laughs> Well, you know how it, yeah. you know how it can be. Yeah, <laughs> it works out. Um, our next scene is back at Yale, and here we see a uh, a girl we have never seen before and will never see again, and she is not named. <laughs> but she and Rory, I guess, are friends enough to be going through a care package together. And yeah. <laughs> during this, Rory also the laundry room guy is off in the background. And the girls are talking about how cute he is, but then he's also been telling this story about a girl who asked him out and he said no, and she's been, like, stalking him ever since. And Rory immediately thinks that this is her that he's talking about. Uh, So this unnamed girl is here to provide the gossip um, that Rory (laughs) thinks centers around her. (laughs) And honestly, yeah. often I would say, like, Rory, not everything's about you, but also it does kind of feel like like this is so similar to her circumstance. I would also yeah. think that it was about me. Yeah, I agree, because at the end, you know, kind of the, the big twist, the irony is that it hasn't been about mm-hmm. her this whole time. But with that said, we spend most of the episode with her thinking that this is about her, and I find it to be very believable. Mm-hmm. Like... It sounds like something an asshole guy would do, yeah. you know, like make the most out of nothing. And a lot of the details are quite similar. And also, like Rory says later, asking someone out puts you in a vulnerable position. So when she's been rejected, she I can only imagine like to then hear about it brings that back up. And uh, I think it's only natural that she would be paranoid and like self-conscious and think it was about her. Like, I, I totally get it. And I was like so angry on her behalf mm-hmm. immediately <laughs> listening to this scene because they like um, describe the girl as like his adoring fan. Yeah. Well, that's his his terminology. He calls her his adoring fan. They call the girl a psycho. And I was just like, you know, why would he say Rory is stalking him? They live in the same place. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, he's going to see her again. Like a lot of people were at that club. <laughs> like I felt very defensive defensive of her quickly here Um, she was there first why isn't he stalking her then (laughs) i know Uh, exactly and i did notice that the the third girl is the the mean girl from like orientation where i think it was at least and so this may be the last time we see her i'm not quite sure but she didn't seem mean anymore like i'm not convinced it was supposed to be the same character Mm -hmm. you know like or if they used her again but yeah I guess we're supposed to believe these are two girls that Rory like talks to (laughs) semi-frequently because they seem to like talk like they talked about care packages before and like Rory was gonna give the other girl something from her next care package like um I would like to believe Rory has mm-hmm. other friends and has like branched out at Yale. I would really like to believe that. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's all I'll say. That would be nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I also did. You get care packages when you were in college from your parents? 
Um, maybe once or twice. Like it wasn't an often thing. Mm-hmm. It was more common for me to like when I would visit home, they like might send me back with things, you know, like food, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but no. Like, my mom did order insomnia cookies for me, like, once or twice during finals, which was nice. Um, So, yeah. How about you? I got some care packages. I think my mom would send them, like, around either Halloween or Easter. I'd get a care package Mm. with candy and socks, (laughs) which were always appreciated. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't get regular ones like this. I wish I still got care packages. No food. No, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) College. So after this, we go back to Lorelai's house and Suki is there. And Lorelai is, of course, complaining about Luke and the whole is he even her friend type of thing. Um, Suki at one point mentions that she has friends in the CIA, which uh, is actually (laughs) the Culinary Institute of America. I loved that. I thought it was very a very Suki thing to say. And we also, at this point, find out that the Bells are also disturbing Davy. He has, like, mm-hmm. become so accustomed to them that he now anticipates the ringing and starts crying before the Bells even go off. Uh, mm. Poor kid. Nightmare. Yeah, that's rough. And this is, like, the first sign that, like, the sentiment about the Bells is turning mm-hmm. because, like... Earlier, Luke was grumpy about them, but of course, Luke is grumpy about them, right? But this is kind of the first turn, Davy and Suki's, like, negative feelings about the Bells. We also, speaking of Luke, see him in this episode. He is, like, kind of manically shoveling Lorelai's driveway, and Lorelai takes this as, like, a conciliation and goes out to talk to him but it turns out Luke is not here to reconcile. He's actually here to get something off his chest, which is that, you know, some not everything's mm-hmm. about Lorelai. He doesn't need to tell her everything. Um, and, you know, whatever he's doing with Nicole doesn't concern Lorelai. And then he leaves. <laughs> Again, like earlier, I didn't think Rory was making everything about herself. And a mis- like I thought that was valid when she made it about herself. Mm-hmm then I'm kind of like on Lorelai's side still here where I felt like her shock about the finding out he moved wasn't necessarily coming from a place of like her feeling Mm -hmm. like she's in his business or has a right to know everything about his life like it definitely is a little bit but I like feel like it's more kind of like actually from a friend point of like really feeling like something major has happened in your friend's life and like, to not know about it, especially yeah. when your friend is, like, tied down to Stars Hollow so much that you're like, wait a second, suddenly you live in another county and you didn't tell me? Like, I I didn't really feel like she was making this all about herself, like he said. And I think this could be coming from him viewing Lorelai as in his business with Nicole because it's, like, he thinks about her and Nicole. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, like, his romantic feelings for her and Nicole it's all a mess but I was like normally I would think this was a valid critique of Lorelai but I feel like this outburst isn't quite valid here Mm -hmm. yeah I I totally agree that like feeling of realizing your friendship isn't what you thought it was is kind of devastating so I Mm -hmm. can see her reaction I know he needs he needs to take a step back maybe (laughs) 
But as we see later, he, I think, has a lot of feelings he's not processing about the whole Nicole situation. Right. Which is why he can't talk about yeah. them as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a nomination in this scene. Lorelai's outfits is my Lorelai's closet. And she's got this, like, long knit sweater on, which has these really long, flowy sleeves that, like, peek out underneath her coat arms, which is, like, a beautiful red coat. It is beautiful. And it is about to be ruined by a truly atrocious hat later on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it's good right now. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm, what flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Uh, Next, we get to a scene that I think we need to talk about. So this is at the debate club. And this, I, I gave this my Friday night dinner, even though there's something else in the episode that's more like pointed to the episode as a Friday night critique. But mm. this I just wanted to bring up because it's what's going on in the world right now. So what's happening is mm-hmm. the, I guess the topic for a debate is Israel-Palestine. And this was what, in 2005. So there was a lot going on. I don't remember the exact events from the 2000s, but there were some pretty extreme uh, movements to uh, like push Palestinians off of their land into Gaza and like the West Bank, I believe, in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. I did look it up for a bit more context as well, and from what I was finding, there was like a lot of attempts to negotiate peace and whatnot with a lot of like outside countries as well of course the united states being Mm -hmm. one and so like in the early 2000s there was this thing called the clinton parameters and then later on something called like the roadmap so essentially these are just like a lot of negotiations about borders Mm -hmm. you know different um establishing different borders that are really like disputed and fought over literally you know so I think that must have been what was exigent Mm -hmm. and why it is kind of brought up in this episode because this is like a a kind of a constant quote-unquote hot topic Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) um so yeah because I one of one of my questions was like well I know why this is so um relevant right now but like why did it come up then and go more girls around this time yeah and as somebody who wrote a dissertation about borders, I just have to say mm. borders are pretty much always <clears throat> performative of some power who feels like they need to show off their power and so that they won't be undermined by people who potentially have more of a right to be in an area than they do. And I think this is the case of what was happening in Israel-Palestine at the time because of the context of the Israeli like state kind of taking over Palestine and trying to give these 
performances of rightful ownership, I think Borders is absolutely one of those. And if you see the Borders, especially around the West Bank and Gaza, they're like, they're, I mean, humongous walls (laughs) that people have, and like all these checkpoints that people have to go through to lead their daily lives. And that was before the things that have happened in the past few weeks. I don't know what they look like right now, probably way worse. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, some perspective on borders. They're, they are to keep people out, but more specifically, they're to show who should be where. Right, right. I did make this debate my Rory's bookshelf as well. Like I did want to nominate it because I was like, well, we're definitely going to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I should give it a nomination. And it was kind of based on how they're using it kind of as references in the episode. And I found it like kind of, it was like, it was interesting in the way that this debate happens in the episode where like they clearly just wanted like, let's have them discuss a political Mm -hmm. topic. And Rory's part of the argument is mostly going to be about her anger (laughs) at Laundry Boy. Like Rory's argument is the subtext is really the whole text for her. But watching it now, it's like, how dare you take such a serious topic and use it in such like mm-hmm. um, trivial, such a yeah. way. But I I don't know. It's curious because like Paris, we hear Paris talking first and she's talking about this like biblical history. Mm-hmm. She's equating the conflict as like a sibling rivalry. She's talking about um, like ancestry from the Bible, stuff like that. And the professor gives her this like, good feedback I thought actually she's like oh like essentially like a good consideration of history there but you're ignoring the complexities of the everything that's happened Mm -hmm. since like the 4,000 years since then um and Paris kind of like just ignores her because she's looking down on her because she has some intel about her from Asher Fleming like I don't know it's a whole thing but either way from there it moves to Laundry Boy and I don't really understand his point. It was something about yeah. like power um, struggle. Like it's a power struggle. It's nothing mysterious. And he says like, and whose interest, whose best interest is, is it to keep the kids fighting? And I was just like, do you know anything about like global po- like yeah? What? But then you know, from there, Rory says something about like there's not this all powerful power in manipulating Israel. And she says that Israeli people have opinions and propaganda is dangerous. Like, I don't feel like she's even making a coherent (laughs) point necessarily because she's just, she's trying to make it be like a double speak for like saying this guy is like spreading out his own perspective that is like wildly misconstrued and it's unfair. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) yeah, that's like the, the text. That's like the dialogue. But I don't have the time to like sketch out the 4,000 years and more of the complexities. But what I will say quickly is like, like speaking of like the drawing of borders and the creation of borders, it's interesting that there's like the movement for there to be like Zionism, the it's a political movement for there to be like a homeland and a nation state for Jewish people. And Israel is created through this, but by like Britain Mm -mm. you know like it's not just Israel like that's something I was thinking about like where the sibling metaphor falls short is act is thinking and viewing Palestine and Israel as like 
these agents who are the only agents mm-hmm. involved and it's all about their choices and their actions which is certainly true but there's also like outside forces I don't know if in this metaphor it would be parents that's not really apt but like yeah I think the metaphor of family just doesn't work mm-hmm. because it's like Britain is the one they like had this Balfour declaration where they're like we will help form a Jewish community somewhere and they wanted to do it where Palestine and Israel are now and it's like um I think that happened in like 1948 or something like that and it's just been conflict ever since and it's this continued like the manipulation by empires of like placing borders you know like this was like this is so much of the conflict in the Middle East or even Africa like the scramble for Africa they just like make borders and form states like not even thinking about like who's already there Mm -hmm. like it's just a whole mess and it's part it's like a huge mess created by empires and just they're like yeah it's like it's a whole thing but (laughs) perpetuated like even to this day by those empires supporting like genocides (laughs) yes so it's like it's all very complicated but what i i would say is like don't um if you don't know much about the situation don't view them as like just siblings mm-hmm. on their own fighting like Paris said like definitely do some looking into it and you'll find that there's definitely some major players behind the scenes or creating the scenes mm-hmm. even as well um and I don't think citing an Instagram account is the only thing <laughs> but just for the, like the lack of time I would say that in terms of the present day situation an account I followed um, that I like is called Jewish Voice for Peace. And they're an organization as well, not only an Instagram account, but they are um, Jews organizing toward Palestinian liberation and Judaism beyond Zionism. Um, so that is like something I follow to keep up a little bit with the situation that's going on. Mm-hmm. So I would shout them out here. Yeah, that's a great shout out. Thank you. <laughs> I think that also... Um, emphasizes the fact that it's like not a Jews versus Palestinian problem, yeah. which is kind of what Paris is making it. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's really a political ideal for for Zionism versus people wanting to yeah. live <laughs> in their homes, and it's not it's not all Jewish people who believe this, and Zionism doesn't represent yeah. Judaism, um, so anti-semitism is not okay uh neither is islamophobia so yeah Yeah, completely and if you're unaware zionism is the like ideal of Mm -hmm. advocating for that jewish nation to exist so sometimes people conflate judaism and zionism or um like some people will say if you're opposed to Israel, then you're being anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. you know, and some people are anti-Semitic and oppose Israel, mm-hmm. but not that's not, you know, the the case for a lot of people. So um, that's where like the trickiness gets in, because we are definitely opposed to anti-Semitism here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing that extra research that gave my kind of ranty <laughs> Uh, ideas much more substance so thank you for that yeah well no yeah I think it was um I wanted to just like recheck some of the historical Mm -hmm. facts partially part of the um Roy's bookshelf nature of it like what are the historical and political 
things that they're referencing here in this scene, which is like ironically not really even about Israel and Palestine yeah. at all. It's so much about like Rory <laughs> not liking this guy yeah. at this moment in time. <laughs> uh, we'll post or include some of these references and uh, resources in our show notes and link to people on Instagram for our listeners who are curious yeah. to learn more. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, from here, we return to Gilmore Girls and our next scene later that day, Lorelai and Rory are on the phone. I believe Rory's complaining about the guy and Lorelai is complaining about being hungry, but she can't <laughs> go to Luke's because of their fight. Um, they hang up because Rory can't get anywhere with Lorelai when she's in her hungry mood. And so we see Lorelai going about town. The bells are ringing. And at this point, everyone seems pretty disgruntled mm. with them. Uh, Miss Patty, for one, is like <laughs> trying to teach a dance lesson and telling her kids to like stay on time, but the <laughs> bells aren't on the right time. And it's just like, it's not Nightmare. working. And so this leads Lorelai, I guess, to like spontaneously go up to Luke. Um, we'll go into Luke's and ask him like, you might think, oh, is she going to say she's sorry? Are they going to continue their conversation? But no, she says, you want to help me break the bells? <laughs> and he just says, let me get my toolbox. <laughs> um, I know. Um, so they go upstairs. She steals a donut on the way. And when they're up there while Luke is getting his toolbox, this is when Lorelai is like looking around his apartment and she begins to notice like all of these dishes, like his bed looks slept in, like it just looks like his regular apartment. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't say anything at this moment, but she will shortly share the observation that it's like, it doesn't really seem like Luke has moved, yeah. you know? Yeah, which is maybe how he got away with not telling her. Like if you actually move, it's apparent. <laughs> yeah, I think... That's part of the difficulty, right? Like part of why he didn't tell her is because he didn't, but he's not necessarily able yeah. to admit that to himself so simply either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our next scene is at CBGB's. Everybody is pretty hyped up. Lane is very excited. She keeps drumming on things. Gil is there, but he's also, he like feels like an old hand at this. Like he seems pretty chill, like excited, but he knows what's going to happen. Um... Zach is very irritable. I thought this was an interesting foreshadow to when he completely blows things for the band in a uh, later episode when they have a show. Mm. And Brian is, of course, using his inhaler, panicking a little bit. Um, but unfortunately, they don't get to actually go on the, uh, I don't know what this person would be called, like the stage manager or something comes out and tells them that they've the booker, oh, the booker. I think they yeah say. that makes more sense <laughs> they've been bumped uh I guess they probably had the last slot of the night and everybody is gone except for these two um two people in the audience who don't even drink and we find out that they are Brian's parents he has the most supportive parents <laughs> they're adorable yeah. they come to all the gigs <laughs> um, I love it pretty bummed though that they didn't get to go on and Zach of course blames it on Gil uh Lane is just mostly upset because of what she had to go through the, to get there and she knows that she like crossed a line with her mom so all around uh kind of a sad scene definitely I thought a small 
I thought a small sign that they wouldn't go on. Like in hindsight, I was like, I feel like Rory would have been there for their first oh, gig. Yeah, that's true. You know, so it's like, yeah, yeah where why was wasn't Rory she in all of this? That's weird. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But we'll leave that there for now. We'll come back to Lane in a little bit. Yeah. We return to the mischievous duo who are on the quest to break the bells. Luke and Lorelai break into the church um, as they go about the process of, you know, trying to break the bells. We learn that Luke is the one who broke the bells the first time, which is a detail I really enjoyed yeah. that they added there. Um, of course, Lorelai turns the topic to the apartment situation and um, she's like, you don't live at that other apartment. You didn't move. And Luke protests that, like, she's passing judgment on him and Nicole. He again says, like, this is none of your business. Lorelai says, oh, but it is. And she says, you know, because I care. And then because she doesn't want him to move. And Luke asks why. But this conversation is interrupted by Reverend mm -hmm. Skinner, who in a very funny <laughs> turn, like, you might think that he is there to say, like, how could you break the bells? Like, get out of here. He says, thank God. <laughs> and we know he must be literal because yeah. he is a man of God, right? And he's like, continue, essentially, <laughs> and advocates for them breaking the bells. Yeah. Uh, which was really good. Um, so what would you, what, I guess my question for you is, like, what did you think of this conversation? And in general, like, the Luke and Lorelai relationship at this point, and also, like, Where's Jason in all of this? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> I forgot point. he existed for this <laughs> so episode. So did I. <laughs> I thought this was very, yeah. like, another one of their almost moments. Um, the beginning mm -hmm. of it was kind of a normal fight between them. But then as they got to where Lorelai tells him she doesn't want him to move. I mean, that's such a rom-com moment uh, <laughs> to, yeah. like, say, don't do this because you know, I want you to stay or whatever. I forget there's a movie that does exactly mm -hmm. that. Uh, but now I can't remember <laughs> what it is. Um, so I don't know. It's just they didn't actually really get to the point very much that yeah. Luke, he says he's with Nicole and he says he's living with Nicole, but he's clearly not invested in her at all or their relationship. And it's not going, it's not really going anywhere. And he like was so excited you could see the excitement in him when Lorelai says that she didn't want him to move even though they didn't get to actually like complete that conversation because of the arrival of the pastor um so it's just mm -hmm. building more attention I thought um yeah. I did also give my star's hollow moment to when the pastor shows up and tells them to continue breaking the bells yeah great. <laughs> I really like that yeah. guy <laughs> What did you think about their conversation? I definitely felt like that, like a trope, mm -hmm. you know, like when you're interrupted and then the moment has passed so you can't return to it. Like, I I just think it's funny because like in real life, like what happens here, you know, like the reverend leaves the room and you could just as easily go back to what you were talking about. But instead, you know, the scene ends here. So we're just like, they didn't. I don't know. It's like in reality, they could have continued to talk about it, you know, but mm -hmm. but they don't. So the moment is interrupted and tension builds. Um, and the the meanwhile, like the Luke and Nicole relationship is just so confusing yeah. to me. 
And maybe it's confusing to the writers as well. Like, I feel like something really did go awry. Like, I feel like at first they were like, okay, Luke and Nicole aren't together anymore. And then they brought her back and they're like, okay, they are. But then since then they've been like, they are, but it's off screen. And it's like, part of what Nicole said to Luke was like, let's just try dating. But then we learn that they're suddenly like moving in together. It's like, I just feel like I'm like, I need more information here that we won't get. I'm reminded of how I felt when Nicole came to like ask him if they could date rather than get divorced. And I remember saying that it felt like a booty call to me. And I kind of get the (laughs) feeling like it still kind of feels like they're just booty calls to each other in a way, (laughs) you know, not serious at all. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, one night she was starting to get a sore throat. So we said it would just be better for me to go home. It's like, yeah, she's like, oh, sorry, Luke. I'm not feeling very well anymore now that, you know, we've had dinner and done it. So (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Go home. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I am pretty sure it ends pretty soon. I don't know that we really see Nicole much anymore if if we do see her at all. So I don't know. Just a weird, weird relation. Yeah. Just a weird writing. They just needed something. Of a relationship. Something to give Luke before he finally realizes he's going to go after Lorelai. Yeah. Doesn't mm. Liz show up in the rest of this season? I think so. Gosh, that seems... Because isn't her marriage yeah, part Yeah, that's of like their first all date. All of the stuff. Yeah. So that must be soon. That gives Luke something yeah. to do. They should have brought her on earlier. I love Liz. <laughs> Um, but next mm. we're back at Yale, uh, where Lane arrives, interestingly enough, and it ends up that she didn't come up with a story to tell Mrs. Kim. She just left. Uh, and now like she, <laughs> she left and she hasn't, didn't even get to do the gig. So now she's just like, yeah, what, what now? <laughs> so Lane is going to stay at Yale and Rory tells her to call Mrs. Kim, but Lane won't. So Rory calls Lorelai, who then immediately calls Mrs. Kim. And it's like, if I woke up and you weren't in your bed, I would freak out. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's true. She's also an adult, but yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I know. I That was my first reaction. I was like, she's in college. Yeah. Like, both of them are... 18 or 19 at this point I'm like it wouldn't be that weird if Rory wasn't in her bed but then it's like in context like Mrs. Kim would be worried Mm -hmm. if Lane wasn't in her bed which is what we see when Laura like calls her (laughs) Mrs. Kim seems to have like called the fire department the police like there's a prayer group going on so Lorelai was correct like Mrs. Kim is incredibly worried and I'm I'm with you when you mentioned earlier like you could just sneak out and sneak back in. Like, how did she know? Mm-hmm. Like, does she do does she do checks on Lane like throughout the night? I'm not really sure. But either way, Mrs. Kim like says she wants the address to go get Lane, essentially. And that is where we pick up in the next scene when Mrs. Kim is in the car and she spots Luke out and she like goes to tell him, by the way, Lane won't be at work tomorrow. And Miss like Luke's like, oh, I know. Like she called me and she called me a second time. Like she's so great and responsible. Mm-hmm. And we see this like internal shift in Mrs. Kim where she realizes like 
Lane called Luke. Lane called Lorelai. Well, like, Rory called Lorelai, really, but she thinks Lane called Lorelai first, and she, like, didn't call Mrs. Kim. So we -hmm. see her, like, feel hurt, and she just gets back in the car and drives home. We learn that she's not going to go get Lane after all. Um, Yeah. We'll see a bit more about this, but I felt really sad in this moment. Like, I... I've mm-hmm. we've known that this was going to come ever since we first met Lane like that some at some point this had to end yeah <laughs> but to see it actually happen and like to see Mrs. Kim realize how like even at this point how much Lane keeps secret from her is just heartbreaking very sad yeah and from like and not from other mm-hmm. people like yeah oh, she can confide in other people and go to them and not me. What would be hard? Yeah, it would suck. And I mean, there's always something that you keep from your parents, but usually not this much, you know, uh, especially as we see in a little bit. Yeah. Before yeah. we get to that, we wake up the next morning at Yale and Lane and Rory are talking about everything and they were, had been expecting Mrs. Kim to show up in the middle of the night, as I think most people would have expected, so they're pretty surprised she didn't arrive. Um, Rory kind of tries to give her like a, I don't know, a pep talk of sorts to say that things will be okay. Um, but Lane knows that they're not going to be okay. But she's going to go home and face the music anyways. Uh, very brave. <laughs> so if you notice, Rory, in part of her comforting of Lane, says you have a boyfriend as one of the like, Oh, life's okay. You know, oh, you've I got a boyfriend. And I was like, does she still? <laughs> We're still pretending Dave is still in yeah. the picture. <laughs> I thought that we had kind of agreed that the marriage drug was what broke them up. <laughs> Apparently <Yeah>. not. <laughs> so Lane leaves and then we get a face off with the laundry guy who I, I'm glad we never learned his name because I like just calling him the laundry guy. <laughs> Sorry, one of the random girls we never see again does give his name, but oh. I won't say it just because I also view okay, him as the thanks. laundry guy as well. <laughs> <laughs> so Rory goes into the cafeteria. Uh, this reminds me of the uh, Marty stuff. And walks past him mm-hmm. and he calls her Madeline Albright, which I thought was interesting. And then Rory <laughs> turns on him and pretty loudly, so everybody in the cafeteria hears what's going on confronts him about telling that story about her asking him out in the laundry room and yeah you can see everybody listening and she's kind of making a huge fool of herself she's the one telling on herself and finally Mm. the laundry guy is like I wasn't even talking about you it was this other girl (laughs) uh an interesting turn of events (laughs) I did like that. And it turns out this other girl has really been mm-hmm. stalking him and was like in his closet covered in whipped cream or oh something. Gosh. Like it was definitely a good twist to the episode. She ends the scene by saying, can you not tell anyone about this mm. story? And it just walks away like without even eating her food. Yeah. Like she placed her tray on another table and she just walks out in shame. <laughs> she yeah. told everybody. It was, it was a, I know. Ultimately, I think it's like, a fun storyline like I like the callback to her asking the guy out like I'm I'm glad they remembered that and like followed up with it and it's humorous and it's like the end of her dating mm-hmm. at Yale it really is <laughs> like, 
Uh, yeah. Never again. <laughs> I guess she was like, that went so badly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, next we go back to the Kims, um, where we see Mrs. Kim has discovered everything that Lane has hidden in her room, which, as we know, is a lot. Like, the mattress is turned over and there's all sorts of stuff in there. Her closet is full of stuff. All the floorboards are full of stuff. And it's just a depressing scene. It shows how much Mrs. Kim doesn't know her daughter. And that's got to be, that's got to be really hard to admit to yourself that you've like caused, you've been the, I mean, I don't want to say that she necessarily caused it, but she like repressed her daughter's personality so much that her daughter didn't feel safe being herself around her mom. That's just, Mm -hmm. that's really sad. And that must be a really hard thing yeah. for Mrs. Kim to realize about her parenting. I agree. This the scene was actually my gazebo Mine moment. Too. Oh, oh yeah, but but because of the yeah. way that it portrays such a sad yeah. moment so well, and I thought like the acting was just superb. Mm-hmm. Like the emotions, I just feel it so much. Um, I just thought it was really great performance here, and like there's just been such build up you know to this moment like you said earlier like this kind of thing the reveal of lane's like secret life was bound to happen and it's been going for like four Mm -hmm. seasons at this point multiple years within the show and in a certain way we were like waiting for this and curious about like what would happen and i feel like it was well worth the Mm -hmm. wait here um and i just thought like the production and the design of like all of these things we've seen in her room, like all the hideaway spots and the closet, like the way that it was all like displayed about the room was really well done. Um, and uh, yeah. just the dialogue, it hurts so I much. Know. But like uh, Lane comes in and she's talking about like, um, I didn't want to keep secrets from you, but I didn't know how to tell you. Like I've only wanted to have you approve of me. I've only wanted to please you. And I think one of the <laughs> status lines was like, Mrs. Kim asked how long? Yeah. And Lane says, since I was That's six. so sad. Like, oh, yeah. And Mrs. Kim says, like, I made you do this. Like, like you were saying earlier, like, it doesn't feel right to say she caused it or that she made Lane do it. But in a mm-hmm. way, she kind of did. You know, like, it's kind of, these are effects as results of her actions and her parenting of Lane. Um and Lane is trying to, like, find a compromise from all of this. Like, at first, Lane is almost, I think, like, relieved to have yeah. this out in the open. Finally, it's like, finally, we can live honestly together and we can, like, compromise on what we both want. Like, I'll stay here. I'll abide by the curfew, but I'll go to community college. I'll still play with the band and we can both be happy. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Kim, though, just says, children don't make the rules. You may move out, like, if you want to live like that. And it's so yeah. sad, but also, like, I was just like, Mrs. Kim, Lane's not a child anymore, you know? Like, I can kind of understand how she can't, like, grow and compromise within an instant, you know? Like, within this very scene. And in a way, her finding out about this, like, asking Lane to move out does kind of feel like a logical reaction, mm-hmm. like, a believable reaction from a parent like that who is, like, been so much about control of their child so that when they learn that not like 
they have failed to control their child and they can't in the future like that loss of control she's like well then just be like you out like if I can't control you here like just go I don't know like oh it's hard yeah it was heartbreaking but also like part of the reason I made it my gazebo moment was because it's such a turning point for Lane and I feel like the show as well um I mean, I don't think any of us think that Lane gets the story that she deserves (laughs) in the series, but being able to, like, finally get out on her own and, like, nurture herself in a way rather than keeping herself secret is really cool. Um, And also to see how Mrs. Kim does progress after this point. So it's kind of cool that as heartbreaking as it is, we finally get to see them, like, change <laughs> rather than just continue Yeah, in such a kind of harsh reality, toxic type of living space. So, yeah. It is an exciting turning point for Lane in the show. And, like, at this point, this is still, like, in my mind, like, a strong mm-hmm. story. Like, this is a really great moment for Lane's character and her story and Mrs. Kim for them to like explore this and have to grow from this and move on it's what happens later on with Lane that I definitely feel like there's no coming back from in terms of her story but here it's just like the precipice of like possibility Mm -hmm. you know like yeah it it is an exciting time and I'm excited to see that it unfolds this early in season four. I didn't remember that. So I'm looking forward to like seeing more of it sooner than I Mm. must have remembered. (laughs) It's also cool to see a portrayal of kind of a more, I don't know, of a realistic growing up. Like with Rory, it's Mm. so, she and Lorelai are still so connected at the hip. It's like, it's not the case for most people. It's kind of hard to relate to for most people, their relationship. And I'm not saying Mrs. Kim mm-hmm. and Lane's is easy to relate to, but Lane, like, diverging from her parents so drastically is a bit more realistic and people can relate to that a bit more. So, and also to see her, like, struggles as she tries to go out on her own is pretty realistic, I think. So that's cool to see that. Agreed. From here, we go to our final scene of the episode, which is really brief, um... It is Lane appearing at Rory's door and it's kind of like a to be continued Mm -hmm. moment, I feel like. Like we know Lane isn't going to be at Yale with Rory forever, but you know, this is her in-between kind of moment in space before whatever happens next. Yeah, what an episode. Uh, Mm -hmm. Next week I will kick the cats out. Um, who was your MVP for this episode? Um, I think Lane was my MVP, as we've been talking about, because of how she, I don't know, she made a choice when she decided to go to the CBGB's gig, even though she couldn't think of an excuse. Like, she made the choice that her priorities were the band, and it's something we've never seen her do before. She's always tried to kind of sidestep making that choice, so I'm proud of her for making the choice, even though it's going to be hard. So, yeah. I agree for the same reason. And this might be a good time as well. I forgot to mention my Jess Sass attack earlier. (laughs) It's when she was, like, angry with the booker. And she says, um, she says, 
get cancer, Daryl, (laughs) (laughs) as he leaves. And I was just like, that's such an unlane like thing to say. And normally I wouldn't be like suggesting telling wishing cancer upon someone would be like worthy of a nomination, but it was just so unexpected coming from her and it really just portrayed her true like anger and despair in a way of like this gig being canceled and like everything she sacrificed and risked for it so i was like Mm -hmm. and it was just funny to see lane be like mean to someone because it's just good it was good but yeah she was my mvp as well well what an episode Excited to see what happens next. Yes, but before we do, we will have a mid-season recap, mm-hmm. actually, yeah. right? Because, shockingly enough, this was episode 11 of a 22-episode yeah. season, so we've made it halfway through season four. It. Yeah, and after our mid-season recap, we'll take a couple weeks off before resuming the season. Yeah, got to refuel. Yep, exactly. <laughs> got to train the cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.